Coming up, we're uh, bringing you our live coverage on the final day of D23. All our coverage from the morning, that is. Uh, so we will be with you in just one second, live from the D23. Uh, Diz Unplugged, Diz Dreams Unlimited Travel Booth. Okay, hello everyone. Welcome to the third and final day of our coverage for the uh, 2015 D23 Expo. I am your host, of course, uh, Craig Williams, and joined with me this morning is, well, uh, this afternoon now, uh, Rhino Clavin. Hello. Hello. So, uh, a lot of important, amazing, incredible things have been happening this morning, and uh, by that I really mean not that much. Uh, the The final day of the expo tends to be a, a, a slower day in terms of panels. Not uh, not quite as insight, exciting and as invigorating as the live action and the animation panels. Uh, but you know, for the most part, it's still a very very good time. And uh, I, I, I'm having fun. I don't know if you are. Oh yeah, no, I I'm I'm having a good time. It's been it's been a rush. I can't believe it's already Sunday. I'm telling you, these days. Even though you think like, okay, well, yesterday I got up at five thirty, or I'm sorry, we got up at four thirty, and waited in line for a panel that didn't start till ten thirty, you'd, you'd think like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of waiting. But I, I got to tell you, like, time has been flying by. Good, good, a lot, good. Of, a lot of good experiences to be had, and uh, you know, we didn't talk about it yesterday, but I got to meet Dick Van Dyke. Oh yes, you did every, get to meet Dick everybody Van Dyke. here has heard about it repeatedly. But you know, I know, and uh, I promise we're also very sick of hearing about it. Yeah. So he held my hand. That uh, he what? He shook my hand. So now I, I refuse to wash it, and I just hold my own hand. That's absolutely disgusting. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't really want to beat around the bush right okay, now because uh, we have a lot of important things to continue on doing today. But I'm going to start off this segment with you because uh, you just finished up being at the uh, the live action panel or no, sorry no, not no. the live action panel wow where is my time head travel. at the disney interactive panel yeah it's game time yeah uh, there okay. was this was a this was a pretty interesting panel um it was it was interesting they covered a lot of broad stuff from like playstation to like mobile gaming apps to the disney infinity system um and there were some exciting announcements they made it was all hosted by jimmy pataro who's the chairman or excuse me co-chairman of disney consumer products and interactive media and um, I'll just get right into some of the highlights here. Um, Kingdom Hearts 3. Apparently that is quite a big deal. I have only recently just gotten the first game for DS, so I'm, uh, I'm just getting into it. Um, but I know that there's a massive fan base for this sort of a thing. Um, so they had a whole section devoted to this. Um, and they brought out... Um, I'm, I might butcher these names, so I do apologize. But they're Shinji Hashimoto, Larry Sparks, and Corey Takatsu, um, who are all game developers with Square e- Enix, um, who make those games. See, I was hoping you were about to say uh, Corey Feldman. I'm going to butcher this name. 
Corey Feldman. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, they had some exciting announcements. I tried to jot down anything that seemed like people were reacting really well to. It was uh, apparently all the keyblades in this uh, Kingdom Hearts 3 are going to have some special moves, or excuse me, special transformations. Um, and I, which I thought this, this next thing was a little cool, was they're going to have attraction-related attacks. Hmm. So, like, they'll, you'll have an attack that involves, like, the teacups. Oh. Or, like, um, Thunder Mountain or something like that. And I, that kind of made me, like, all right, I might need to get into this game a lot That just lot sounds faster. very non-threatening to me. Um, their big, big deal, though, the, the big thing they announced is that this the new version is going to include a um, Big Hero 6 world. Uh, it's going to feature a world based on... Uh, I just said that, based on Big Hero 6, but uh, the powers of darkness are going to manipulate the original Bay- Baymax that has been left at the portal. I don't... I'm assuming, like, it's you, you go through portals to travel from world to world. But, uh, and then, uh, when, as they're talking about this, uh, Baymax came right on out on stage. Mm, that was fun. Give, give a little hug, blinking at everybody and everything, but um, that was cool. And then... Um, let me see here. So they did that, and then they went into the mobile games unit. So Scott Humphreys and Tom Morris came out to talk a little bit about that. Now, they've got a pretty interesting um, mobile game coming out called Disney's... Uh, not Disney's, I'm excuse me. Disney Magic Kingdoms, um, and it's a Disney Parks gaming experience. It's going to allow you to build parks of your dreams. So you can start by having, you know, you build your own castle in the center, and then you go from there. You can have your own Main Street and what attractions are going to populate it. It seems very similar to, like, The Sim but a, um, you know, a, a Disney-oriented um, twist on it. So I, I feel like that's going to be a pretty popular game. They, they claim it's the next, be- uh, next best thing to visiting a Disney, um, a Disney park, but... Has this been announced any time before? Or was this no, I believe that was, a, that was an announcement there, yeah. So that was, that was pretty cool. Um, uh, it's up to the players. Oh, there, the, I thought this was neat, too. There's even, like... A little um, storyline that goes with it. So as you are building your park, um, you know, you know things start happening, and, and it's up to you, the player. Um, you're going to have to fight off some of uh, Disney's classic villains who are trying to thwart your attempts at creating a thriving theme park. Interesting. Yeah. So so that's fun. Um, the next thing they stepped into is um, Playmation. Mm-hmm. Now this is a new a new thing. That's um, I don't think it's quite hit the stores yet, um, but they do have a demo booth up here at the. Um, the expo that I've watched, uh, and this is um, uh, this playmation unit is trying to create um, a, uh, I don't I, a series of like gameplays that are both active but technologically advanced. So it's sort of a thing that encourages kids to get outside and play more, but it's still a video game setting. So what it is is um, the this first. Um, uh, wave of stuff is all Avengers themed um, and specifically the first one that's going to come out is the um, uh, Iron Man uh, I forgot the name of his blaster that he wears on his wrist it, it's, it's something I wasn't there Repulsor so Repulsor I, okay. that's what it's called no I, 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 I didn't write it down because I was like oh I'll know the name but um, it's physical play for a digital generation is how they describe it. So, the, oh, the uh, Repulsor Pack is going to hit shelves in October. And then there are also going to be Gamma Gear Starter Pack, which includes two Hulk fists. Um, and it has, like, an exclusive Loki figure that comes with it. So what it is is these kids, like, wear, like, the Repulsor Rays. And they can, like, they can play by themselves. But they have to, like, be moving because it's got a... Um, uh, 
like a counter, you know, like uh, that counts your steps, okay. how much you're moving, yeah. your activity level. And um, so they have to, their movement actually creates upgrades. So mm-hmm. it, it, they have to go so far, do so many things, and it'll like upgrade their powers and, and stuff like that and open new gaming levels and all this sort of things. And what I thought was cool is that other kids who have it, so like if you got one and I have one, we could go, you know, over each other's tails after school, parents permitting permission permitting but um and you can play with each other like it's kind of like a laser tag but so if i if i shoot my uh repulsor ray at craig and it hits him there's a thing in the arm there's like sensors and it's gonna he's gonna feel it so you're you kind of it's it's the kind of a neat like first step into being able to basically become like your own avenger which i thought i thought was really neat so um and i also i like that it's encouraging kids to get out Uh, haptic feedback that was the word i was looking for too haptic feedback um yeah, and it's not it's not tied to the internet is what I think they said, so that was neat. But there's also an app that can go with it that the toys connect to through Bluetooth. And then there's also, like, little figurines you can have on a table, and you shoot them with the repulse array, and they'll, like, pop up and fall out. I don't know. It all looks really cool. Um, you can you can apparently go to, like, your local Disney store and uh, request, like, a demonstration of it. Um, and so the next thing that happened was... Um, the Bandai Namco people came out to introduce a new arcade game um, called Star Wars Battle Pod. Okay. Okay. So um, y- you've seen like the classic ones where you kind of go in, you know, you know, you know, an arcade yeah, game. Absolutely. You go sit in the chair, you play the game. Now this one is like a, it's literally like a pod. Like you get in this pod, and the screen is 180 degrees, so it, it makes you know it's all around you. Um, there's hydraulics in it, so you move a little bit, um, and you you play like exactly what you would think. You're you know a rebel on a mission to you know, go, um, destroy the Death Star or something hmm. like that. Um, and they had, uh, I can't remember his name, but the, the Danny Chu, I want to say, um, he came out to talk about it. Now, what was really interesting is they brought out a version. They were trying to sell it to us. So you can buy it and have it in your house. There's two different versions of it. They're, they're called, they're the Battle Pod Premium Editions that um, you, it comes with like a leather seat. It's got the surround sound. Your name's engraved on it. Um, it's, I think it's got like some exclusive content in there for you as well. Um, and um, the standard edition will be in like arcades, I'm assuming, but the premium one's exclusive to like Dave and & Buster's and then to whoever buys them. They did not say a price point. I'm imagining... More it's, money than anyone has to afford this type of technology. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All I could, I, I, I was watching it the whole time though, and I just kept thinking like, this is going to end up on Dustin's uh, wish list for life. Like, no, this okay. was like he's going to sell some his car or something to get this thing. So that cool, huh? He'll be excited. I, yeah, it, it looks the pod itself. Um, I, I took a picture, but um, they have it on demonstration in the floor too. Um, and it, it's really cool. Look, it definitely looks like a Star Wars thing, and it's not as big as you'd think. Yeah. But it's, it's just. So I don't know if you if you're you got some money to burn you want a really cool thing I it looks like it'd be a lot of fun so fantastic um, so th- there's only a little bit more they went into um, Star Wars Battlefront I'm sure you're familiar for this title absolutely everyone's excited for that yes that this is the first console title to launch as part of a partnership with EA um, and apparently it just won a couple of awards um, at a specific show I'm not I didn't I didn't catch what they said but um, it got one of the most important ones I heard was it got best console game for PlayStation. Yeah. So that that's that's very exciting. So did they um, show any new gameplay? 
They did. They did share okay. some really cool exclusive stuff. So Jason McCauley, the uh, general manager of EA Star Wars unit, he came out to talk about how he created the game. Um, and what I, I had no idea this much stuff went into it. They let um, this entire unit go into the Lucasfilm archive and scan the original props and all this stuff. So everything in this game is like three-dimensional, like screen accurate, like... It, it's all built on that. And then they also brought them to the set of The Force Awakens. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, that was really cool. Um, that, that game's coming out in November. Um, now, uh, let me see here. Um, they scouted the locations of the original trilogy. That was really cool, too. I really appreciated that. But um, they're going to have an upgrade. So speaking of The Force Awakens, that desert planet that's in the trailer apparently is called Jakku. Jakku. Yeah, and so there is an an uh, what's it called? Um, an update to the system when you get it. It's going to be free, yeah. and it's called the Battle of Jakku. So it all takes place within Star Wars: The Force Awakens, and it's going to be free coming out on December eighth. But if you have pre-ordered your game, like the the battlefront game you're going to be able to get it a week early on december 1st um and it was really cool they showed some footage um they showed a little concept art um i thought it was really neat because they were saying like as you play the game you get to unlock um you'll be get to play as some iconic heroes and villains specifically like luke skywalker darth vader um it, it was all the oh i've just it, never heard of these people yeah, I'm known, I don't know if you're familiar. They're kind of side characters. Oh, okay. but Fantastic. Um, they're no Jar Jar Banks. Oh. So, um, one of the coolest things, though, they did announce was it is going to be the first game to have a 20-player mul- uh, multiple-player mode. Um, and it's going to have, uh, like, nine missions that can do this. And one of them is, like, you're, you're getting that um, ship from Return of the Jedi out of the planet. So, like, you're all the rebels trying to fight to get that ship off the planet. Um, and I got to tell you, watching this in this auditorium, it was, it was, it's very exciting. It was giving me goosebumps. So, but what if you don't have 20 friends? What if you don't have what? 20, 20 friends? friends? Well, that's the beauty of it. It's all online friends. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you just make some friends in a chat room. I don't, I don't know how online gaming completely works yet, as I've just recently gotten a PlayStation 4, and I cannot be happier that I've gotten it because I can't wait to play this game. Now, here's a little awesome thing they uh, came out they've just they've said they brought out Adam um, Adam Boyas from PlayStation I think that's how you say his name sure but um, he has said that it is that PlayStation has become is is the definitive destination for Star Wars games that's the official like partnership that has been formed so sorry Xbox sorry guys that makes me very excited yeah and and so to honor this, they brought out what's going to be coming out this fall, or this holiday season, special edition versions of PlayStation that have, like, Darth Vader's head carved in it. So when you put it in the game, it lights up the thing. And it comes with this really cool TIE Fighter kind of looking remote. Yeah. yeah. And and so not only that, it's well, it's limited edition, special edition, Star Wars Darth Vader bundle that comes with um, two different things. There's two versions. There's one that comes with the Battlefront game. In addition to that Battlefront game, they have now, they're going to be releasing the classic Star Wars games on the PlayStation format. So it comes with Super Star Wars. Um, oh my. There was a pod racing thing. There was there was four or five titles. Oh yeah, episode uh, one pod racer. Um, yeah, so it was very, it was very exciting because I, I just got Super Star Wars. So I was like, oh, that game's hard. I can't wait to see what it looks like on the PlayStation. I mean, I'm sure the graphics aren't updated, but... Um, but so they said that, and now the other bundle is 
the PlayStation 4 with the Disney Infinity 3.0 Star Wars figures. Yes. And with that, you're going to get um, an exclusive Boba Fett figure. Ooh, Boba. Yeah, and then you also get the, the classic games as well. So Absolutely. Yeah, that's a lot of big wish lists this season. I think that's going to sell really well, that yeah. gaming system. But um, And then the last thing they kind of uh, closed out with was the... Uh, oh, so those bundles are coming out November 17th, by the okay. way. And what was really cool, Good. they gave two away to the audience. There were gold tickets under the, under oh. the thing. But what was really funny is these chairs have... Like, a, do not remove whatever sticker under it. So everyone started ripping off these stickers. And oh, my they were gosh. Like, um, so the chairs are a little torn apart. Oh, but, good. I'm glad they planned well. But, uh, yeah, so the last big thing, the last thing they talked about, Disney Infinity 3.0. Mm-hmm. Um, we're two weeks away from that launch, um, and it's going to include some past, present, and future Star Wars characters in it. Uh, so that's exciting. Now, um, they brought out John uh, Blackburn and John Vignocchi, I believe. Sure. Um, and they were saying that this um, Disney Infinity is going to span the entire saga. So the first one that's coming out is the Twilight of the Republic play sets, um, and that's going to be set during the Clone Wars. Um, and they said um, it was very important to have strong female characters within these universes um, and within the gaming universe, within Star Wars and all that stuff. They said that was very important to them. So it comes with an Anakin Skywalker figure and the, uh, I can't remember, Ashley Eckstein's character's name. Ashanka, Ashanka, yeah, um, something like that. So those two come with it. But um, then there's another one coming out that's called Rise Against the Empire. This one's set in the original trilogy. Um, I, you know, so there's there's going to be figures like there's a Han Solo figure, there's Chewbacca. Uh, there's just a lot of fun figures coming out. Um, and then also there's an Inside Out playset coming as well. Very fun. Yeah. So that's all set during Riley's head while she's having like a, a nightmare. Um, after watching a scary movie or something like nope. that. And I was like, it's, it's, it's an interesting way to um, expand that. And then they made a surprise announcement. Yep. So they made a Marvel... There's going to be a Marvel 3.0 section. They released the name. hadn't been heard till this morning. Called Marvel Battlegrounds. It's going to involve some new play sets with characters. But it, um, it's going to be a completely original story to the game, too. And it's going to be the first to feature a four-player mode. Um, and you'll be able to play it with the already existing Marvel characters that you have. Awesome. So you'll be able to play with your 2.0 figures, which is great because I just got that one. So um, They're also adding um, what they call a hub to the toy box. So there's going to be a toy box hub that will include the El Capitan Theater and Flynn's Arcade. That was very cool. And there is... Uh, toy dispenser. So I learned this that I didn't know. So if any of you out there have this, I would just want to let you know. You can put your Disney World Magic Band on top of your um, Disney Infinity thing, and it unlocks stuff. Yeah, everyone knows that. Well, I'm an idiot. So so I didn't know. So whatever. That I thought that was cool. But um, they're adding a Disney Cruise Line um Experience. I'm sure they're going to talk about this in the event later today. But this was a big, a big like kind of a weird announcement. Was that Disney Cruise Line on the Disney Dream? There's going to be a Disney Infinity Play Area for kids that is going to have the sets there, but also interactive things and events. And when you do this, there's going to be in-game unlockables that you can only do from the Disney Cruise Line. That's really cool. Yeah. That's a that's a great partnership there. Yeah. And so they they also released um, their new. They're going to start doing. Um, they had a um, Disney Infinity um, like an expo thing that they do. They're going to do every year now, and um, whoever wins gets to choose the figure they make. And they they're making a Peter Pan Disney Infinity. It's for collectors, so I'm sure it's going to be expensive. Um, there's some new characters coming out. Spot from the Good Dinosaur. You'll add some four dinosaur discs. You're going to get Judy and Nick from Zootopia. There's a special. Oh, and then um, there's a new special line of the Force. Um, 
not force. I'm sorry. Uh, Star Wars characters that um, when you put them on the, uh, the the base, their lightsabers are going to light up. So they revealed those today, and then again they said those are you know aimed at collectors, which to me lead, leads me to believe they're going to be like three times as much as the regular one. But um, let me see. So and they announced the new um, ultimate unlock. So if you have all the figures, you can unlock a thing in the game. It was a big deal because then they brought out Hashi back out, and uh, it's a um, the Kingdom Hearts uh, Keyblade is, oh, is part of the okay. game. So they're incorporating that in there. Um, and uh, that looks like it. Oh, the Force Awakens playset. They introduced, they said that one's coming out later in the year. And they, they showed the um, John Boyega, the Flynn, and the, um, what, what's the other guy's name? Finn, Finn and Ray, excuse me. Yeah. Finn and Ray's figures. And then they said, who better if we've got Finn and Ray here? Then John Boyega and Daisley Ridley. So they brought those guys out, and then they were like, we'd like to present these to you because these are the first of these created, and they're your figures. And then they said, well, we'd rather give them away to somebody in the audience. So they brought them out, and they gave them, like, two kids in the audience and Aww. took pictures and stuff with them. And that's that's kind of how they ended it. So that was a nice little, very cool panel. Seemed People seemed to have a good reception. And, like, I was with some friends who don't really have Disney Infinity that they're definitely going to check out now. So some cool some cool announcements. Awesome. Great. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for your yeah, coverage on that, Rhino. I'm going to... Uh, Ask that now you vacate the seat so Michael oh. could come over, but maybe also learn what Jenny Lynn's doing over there, so that way whenever I need her, I will. Then uh, she can step in. Okay. So, Bye. Michael, come on. I'm just gonna sit here awkwardly. Oh, hey, Michael. Hey, Craig. You know, I decided we're like the Kathy Griffin and Anderson Cooper of the Diz because they get together once a year and talk, and we get together every two years to talk. If you say so. <laughs> anyway, so how okay. are you today? I'm doing very great. How are you doing? Oh, excellent. Yeah, we had a really good panel. Just make sure you're holding it right up there. It's very loud in here today. Alrighty. Okay, so what <clears throat> did we see today? Actually, we saw something very historic. Yep. We saw the world premiere of, of Disney in concert, a silly symphony celebration. This was a 32-piece orchestra, the same size as the orchestras that Walt Disney used to, for his um, shorts to provide the music. They, it was a live orchestra, yes. and we saw one, two, three, four, five, six, six um, of the old silly symphony shorts. And I'm um, set to this live music. Yeah, absolutely. And and it was all hosted by Leonard Malton, but it was also hosted by Walt Disney. I know that was a huge surprise. That I was. did. I mean, I I got very excited whenever Le- Leonard Malton came on. Uh, I love his podcast that he hosts. Uh, mm-hmm. It's called Malton on Movies, and he really goes in and tries to pull a lot of uh, just movies that people don't hear about, but also mm-hmm. let people know about which movies are bad and. Uh, which are good, you know, he's a critic, that's his job, but also a very big Disney historian and buff. Mm-hmm. That's why he hosts the uh, TCM, Treasures from the Disney Vault. and mm-hmm. Which I wish they would continue. I, I know, I've, I've heard October, maybe, oh, really? we'll be hearing an announcement for the next oh. one. Uh, but, no, it was so great, and I actually got to meet him right after the show, because he came out and he was posing with people for pictures mm-hmm. and autographs. But, anyways, yeah, Walt Disney was the extra host of the show because they literally with every short well with every one of the silly symphony cartoons that they were doing the orchestra to they actually had walt disney clips from the old disneyland tv series and i'm sure wonderful world of color and Mm -hmm. all that where he was introducing the clips anyways to be played on there so it was all integrated so well perfect yes yeah 
And for folks who aren't familiar with the Silly Symphony series, after Steamboat Willie was released, and it was a huge sensation, um, everybody wanted, all the theater owners wanted Walt to do more Mickey Mouse. And interestingly, because Walt didn't like to repeat himself, he said, no, I really want to do something different. And Carl Stalling, who was doing the music for Disney at the time, before he moved on to Warner Brothers, said he had an idea for a little short that there would be no dialogue. It would just, the whole story would be driven by music. And Walt was completely intrigued by this. And so in just a few weeks, Ub Iwerks, who was, who's, you know, was way back an animator with Walt, way back in Kansas City, drew the skeleton dance. The problem was Walt couldn't find a, a, a distributor, couldn't find a place to put it. Um, you know, this was the skeleton dance. We've all seen it. The the footage has been reused in other Disney films. And, you know, Skeletons Dancing in a Graveyard set to classic music. And finally, the Carthay Circle Theater that had just, um, you know, where Snow White debuted and all that, um, said, okay, we'll show it for a week and see what happens. And it was a wild success. And so from 1929 um, to 1939, there were, se- or 1927, 1937, I think. Let me see what I have. Mm-hmm. Nope, 29 to 39. There were 75 uh, Silly Symphonies released, and seven of them won Academy Awards. What was unique about them is they all had, for the most part, different characters in every single one. They all, all the stories were told through music. If there was dialogue, most of it was sung. And what it was is that Walt used the Silly Symphonies to test out new animation techniques and special effects. He pushed the envelope with them. So after Skeleton Dance, there was um, Flower and Trees. What was groundbreaking about this one was it was the first color cartoon. Yeah, and that's actually a good time to mention that the entire uh, concert that was put on was all based on how, like, kind of a progression and how it was groundbreaking, ending with uh, what Leonard Malton said that he believed was his favorite, I think was his words, as well as one of the most popular Silly Symphonies either. So each one had a very Mm -hmm. distinct purpose and why it was part of this show. Right. For instance, Walt learned from the Silly Symphonies that if they were ever going to do a full-length feature, they had to draw figures better, human figures better. So that's when he um, worked with the Chouinard um, School to bring bring in the drawing instructors to teach the animators all about anatomy and figure drawing and all that. Um, Flowers and Trees, it allowed Walt to sign an exclusive deal with Technicolor um, for several years that only Walt could release films in Technicolor before all the other studios. Then um, The Three Little Pigs came out. That was really the first hit that Walt had. The uh, Who's Afraid of the Big Bad Wolf really became the rally song for the depression that exactly. lifted people's spirits and gave them hope. Mm-hmm. I couldn't say it any yeah. better than myself. I mean, <laughs> with, with this panel, uh, obviously, we're just going through all the cartoons mm-hmm. because we both love every single mm-hmm. one that was there. And the orchestra was top-notch. I mean, this was a very, very, very moving 
uh, presentation that they had. And, and the orchestra had only been playing about four days together, yeah. I think. That, which was ridiculous. Which is, and it's amazing because it sounded like they've been playing together for years and years and exactly. years. Exactly. The next one was the Old Mill. Uh, and what was groundbreaking about this one is it's the first time the multiplane camera was used. And this would go on to give the depth and, and richness of to Sleeping Beauty, to Pinocchio, to Fantasia. Walt didn't like that the cartoons looked flat. He wanted us to feel as if we were walking through the cartoons. And so he tested this camera with the Silly Symphony, the old mill. Yep, and then right after that uh, came the actual final Silly Symphony that was ever produced. Uh, Walt got to the to uh, the last one, which was The Ugly Duckling, and I mean, he kind of realized with the series that they had been so groundbreaking and everything that they did led up to that moment, and there wasn't anything else they could really do after that, and there you have The Ugly Duckling, and uh, one of my favorite ones, especially from childhood, I can always just remember watching this cartoon. And welcome to you, our listeners. Yes, just just a moment. Oh, hey, we're talking about that right now. What's the odds? On the third floor, we've got seats available for you right now. I want you to hustle up because you will be hustle up. an incredible presentation if you don't. This is the I really hate whenever this happens. Of the silly symphonies, and we want you to see it. There are seats available right now, so make your way up yes. to the third floor and stage 23. And thanks for joining us at D23 Expo 2015. Thanks for having us. But, you know, we were the first ones to see it. Those people are the second. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. And, yeah, it's interesting what you brought up, um, Craig, because Walt would, would... when he'd get a new idea, he would dog it, stick with it, perfect it, and then he would move on. And that's sort of what he did with the Silly Symphonies. Um, after a while, he felt they'd gone as far as he could go. So they weren't groundbreaking anymore, except it, the ugly duckling in storytelling. Not a, not a word is uttered, and yet it, it's as moving emotionally as Dumbo is. Oh, yeah. I absolutely agree. And... Uh, the final performance of the day was actually Musicland, uh, something that I honestly, I didn't have the program that you're holding here for reference. Uh, they didn't hand one out to me, but I would have never expected this one to come on of all the ones that they could have done. I guess I didn't realize how significant it really was. Yeah, but. and it, I think it's also Walt and the animators dabbling in surrealism. Yeah. In a way, with the anthropomorphic, uh, you know, instruments. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, even on top of that, I mean, I know that it's a plain and simple story when you look at it from the base. You have the Isle of Jazz, and then you have the Land of Symphony. And but I guess whenever it really gets building up, I never put two and two together that it was all that jazz music and the symphony music really blended together perfectly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just. Whenever you do something like that, that's so creative, original, you don't and you don't think about it. That's when you know it's being done perfectly. Right. And it was it was a treat to hear this one live with the with the actual symphony playing. But then again, it was also just a treat to get to relive this cartoon because I haven't yeah. watched it in such a long yeah. time. And it's basically Romeo and Juliet, yeah, told through music, no dialogue except dialogue that's created through the instruments themselves. 
the sounds that an instrument normally makes. Absolutely. And did they say whether or not they were going to be like traveling with this or he, putting on more? He seemed to give an impression that they were. I know that they have done these types of things in okay. the past where they've traveled either with a full film and they do the score live or with other types of um, shorts. Oh, wow. Like they had a Pixar one a couple of years ago that traveled. Very neat. Well, uh, do you have any more thoughts to share on no, all this? No, this no. was just a, a real treat. And I hope it does travel so that this is something that you'll be able to see. I completely agree. I loved it. And uh, I just, you know, I wish that I would have been able to videotape it. But, you know, they're pretty strict about that because, well, in terms of the actual cartoons up on the screens that they were showing with it, that would just be straight up copyright infringement. But uh, no, it, it was really great and hopefully it makes it out to everyone else one day. Yeah. But and, and I encourage you to go out and um, watch the Silly Symphonies and see all, all the innovation and groundbreaking animation and storytelling that Walt and his animators displayed in these in these short films. Yeah, and if you're into vinyl records, they're uh, they're going into pre-orders right now after the event ends. If you're not here to pre-order it here, but then they're doing all of the Silly Symphonies together in one giant box set. That's mm-hmm. very expensive. Yes. It's on sale for four hundred dollars here, but uh, it's. It's great music. It's a piece of history. It's definitely mm-hmm. something that uh, should be uh, purchased, in my opinion. I'm holding for out me. for the CD version. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much, You're Michael. You're welcome. Thank uh, you. We'll see you this evening. Yeah, if you could okay. uh, go over and eventually push Jenny Lynn over this way. I know she's really busy helping out. I will. See you real soon. Okay, well, at this point, I have no idea what to do because I'm just sitting here alone. Didn't have everyone else queued up. Yeah, it's... It's getting weird. But, oh, oh, hey, Jenny Lynn's coming right away. So thank you very much for filling in the seat. Um, I can't remember what Jenny Lynn went to see this morning, so hopefully she will sit down really quickly so I can stop stalling. Okay. Oh, hey, Here. Jenny Lynn. Hey. hey, tell me about what you did this morning. Okay, so this morning I went to something called the Disney Kingdoms, and it was talking about how Marvel and uh, Disney Imagineering have teamed up to begin their comic series that's been going on for a little while. So that's what the main discussion was about. Uh, The first thing that they shared with us was the idea for Marvel to start producing comics that were Disney-themed began almost immediately after Disney purchased Marvel. Um, And (laughs) interestingly enough, the concept was born at an Angel's uh, b- baseball game here in California. I would have never thought of that. In a social, well, it, it was kind of just brought up in discussion at a social event where some of the Marvel guys and some of the Disney guys were hanging out at a baseball game, and there you know it. Wow. It, the the idea was born, and then later discussed and, and came about. Okay. The first uh, comic book series that they came out with was Seekers of the Kingdom and Seekers of the Weird. So I'm sorry, Seekers of the Weird. I'm thinking Kingdom Keepers. Thank you for keeping me straight. No, I, I got that one. I, I collected all of those. So right. So then you know that the concept of it was um, based on Rolly Crump's yep. Museum of the Weird, yes. and so that ended up being really popular. And so they wanted wanted to go and do the next thing. Well, the idea, you know, the the branding is Disney Kingdoms. And so they wanted to be able to cover different worlds, different kingdoms within, you know, the Disney universe. So the next one, they they said, we we figure we had darkness and scariness. Let's do something a little bit more lighthearted. And that's when the idea of Figment came out of that. Oh, yeah. And that was absolutely, I think, the most popular one that they released. I 
I remember trying to go to a comic book store the day after the first issue came out and it was already sold out completely. That is exactly what they said. They were actually taken aback by the demand that uh, the enthusiasm for it when when they announced it um, and then the demand once they started to print it. They said that the uh, the pre-orders for the comic book series were selling out before the um, the comic books even hit the distri- distribution centers. So wow. And, so much so that they announced today, due to guest demand, they're coming out with a second series of the Figment comic books. Really? That will be happening, yes. Oh, no, that that actually makes me really excited. I did invest in the actual uh, hardbound book of all the Figment comics since I didn't get in from the ground floor on that one. But, no, that it's it's a really great series, and I'm not a comic book nerd by any means at all. I enjoy them, and mm-hmm. I like ones that especially have to deal with Disney, but uh, no, that's that's great news. Yeah, so the, the first series was about the origin of Dreamfinder, but the next series is going to be a little bit different. Um, apparently, what happens is Dreamfinder and Figment time travel into the future, and they come face-to-face with the whole community of innovators that they have inspired from the first series. And then it's about their struggle to try to live up to the expectations that these innovators have, because at this point in the future, they have, you know, a Dreamfinder has a whole, like, monument built to him and everything, and it's them trying to be able to lead a group that's already um, advanced because it's in the future and they're still the same people that they were in the past so it sounds like it's a kind of an interesting little story there the third series that they talked about that they came out they figured we, we covered scary stuff and now we've got the lighthearted stuff we want to go to the west yes so that's when they came out with the big thunder comic series oh yeah and um, they said some interesting things there. The villain in the uh, story is based on, it's modeled after Tony Baxter. Which I never put that together. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but it made perfect sense. And he was actually in the audience with us during the panel. Oh, he was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he wanted to hear all about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's really cool. Was anyone else big in there? Um, there were some other Imagineers that were in there as well, but he was he was the big name that was in attendance. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah, they, they talked about how they purposefully did some things that were a little bit different with this comic series. For one, the hero in the comic book series is a female. Mm-hmm. And they did that to kind of give it a unique twist. You don't normally think about there being a female uh, heroine in the wild, wild west, but there she is. And um, they also went a little bit different with the, the color palette. You know, the west is often associated with sepia tones and stuff. They purposely yeah. went with a, a brighter... Um, more of a they described it as a punk rock energy in the comic so yeah that was kind of you know the whole I I don't think I'm missing anything did they announce any other exclusives coming out or just uh, the new series of Figment just a new series of Figment, but they did announce that the, the comic book series have done so well and that there's been such a demand for them that um, coming up in December they are going to be um, creating oversized library editions so in hardbound library editions so that awesome. kids in the schools and everything will have access to these comic books and uh, you know that was that was the, the highlights there but it was kind of cool no that, it's very cool I was kind of taken aback whenever you actually volunteered to go and do that uh, that panel but I'm, I'm glad you did it sounds like it actually ended up being a really good time yeah, a lot of it information was. it was there was some pretty interesting stuff with and, Figment obviously having a really strong fan base. 
so much so that they were taken, like I said, they were taken aback by yeah. how much of a demand that there's been for the Figment comic series. Yeah. Well, this has by far, I think, been the nerdiest episode that we've done this <laughs> entire weekend. I mean, yeah, we're always geeking out about all this stuff, everything that's happened here. But this, this has just been an overly heavy, nerdy episode. So I think with that, we are going to get back to... Uh, running around and continuing our coverage on all this. So we will be back again later tonight, probably around 6 o'clock Pacific time, to do our sadly final show from the D23 Expo of 2015. But uh, until then, thank you all for watching. Thank you, Jenny Lynn, yeah, for joining me here on the end. And we will see you guys later. Bye.